Kiarafano. Well, I'm actually so excited and I'm grateful for the opportunity. I feel so privileged to stand before you and share God's word. Thank you to Pastor Don and Pastor Ailey for this opportunity. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I, I hope you're going to be excited after this word. <laughs> well, for those of you that do not know me, my name is Len Mudley, but I'm affectionately known as Demon Chaser, Spirit Warrior, and a whole lot of other names. So, yeah, let's just stick to Len. I think it's better. Um, yeah, so I think let's just pray. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. May you take residence in this home. We come to you with a heart that is delighted to hear, a mind that is intrigued by what it shall learn, and a soul that will be nourished by what it shall gain. Yes. I pray this word will fall on the fertile hearts of our soil. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want to take you into... Sorry, my wife's not here today. If you're thinking I'm single, she'll be in the next service. So... Yeah, she's just been unwell from the early hours of this morning. We recognize the enemy and how he attacks. So I want to take you into a journey. I want to take you into a dream. I want you to dream for a moment. And if you want to, you can close your eyes. And I'm going to read something out to you. And I want you to pick out some important words for yourself so you can, you can uh, uh, try to figure out what I'm trying to say. And these are, uh, this is such a beautiful, um, I'll call it a poem, right? I'm going to start off with that. So in a realm of dreams, we dare to share a world where respect fills the air. Imagine a place where all our hearts connect with kindness and care, no soul to neglect. A tapestry woven with threads of grace, where judgments and biases find no space. In the symphony of souls, harmony we weave for every person a chance to believe. No borders of hate, no boundaries of strife, just understanding and empathy rife. Imagine a world where differences bloom. In unity's garden, love finds its room. Each voice is heard, each story embraced. No prejudice linger, no one's erased. For in this vision of hope we create, a world where compassion will surely translate. So let's paint this vision on reality's canvas. With brushes of empathy, let's take a stance. In this world of respect, together we stand, hand in hand, as one across every land. I love that, you know, but let's get back to reality. That's not the state of our world. That is not the state of our relationships, right? We are really far from that. And so did you know there are about a million words in the English dialect of which 170,000 words are used. And of, of that 170,000 words, there's only 20 to 30,000 words that are frequently used. I wrote this some time back. The total sum of a man's life is in the weight of his words. It's in what he says and what he does. Out of all the words in the dictionary, what are the words that we are choosing in our daily life? Are we choosing our words carefully or carelessly? You know, the Bible teaches us in Matthew 12, verse 36, that every idle word that a man speaks, they shall give an account of on the day of judgment. So our words are important. But before I minister the word of God, I want to give a disclaimer. You know, everywhere you go in society, there's a disclaimer. I'm going to take my disclaimer from the word of God. And that's Psalm 119, 165. And it says, great peace have they which love his, your word, that nothing 
will offend them. Uh, these guys didn't get it. Let me start here. Again, great peace have they which love your word that nothing will offend them. Amen. You see, the national sport of our country is not rugby and who won in the rugby. It is not cricket. It's offense. Offense has become a national sport of each and every country I've traveled. People are offended. They are offended by, the, uh, by being corrected. They are offended when somebody took their parking spot out there. They are offended when somebody came and sat in their chair in this church. I've had that. An old lady told me, you're sitting in my chair. Like they have the name there, you know. And they are offended for every little thing. They offended when the pastor didn't call them, when the pastor didn't visit them, when the pastor didn't accommodate their ideas. And so the, this cause, the cause of this spirit, yeah, clearly, Fano, it's a spirit. Offense is a spirit and you carry it inside of you. This cause of a spirit of offense is primarily rooted in feeling unjustly aggrieved. It's a sense that we have been hurt or wrong in some way and that we are owed something for it. Offense is the fence that we build between each other. And the only way that you're going to rectify this is that you have to take it down. There is no other way. You have to take it down. Amen. So the way we conduct ourselves is important to God and it is important to you. Right? And so, my personal finding is, unfortunately, we seldom see this nature that God has given us. This new nature. You know when you were born again? Your old nature died. Your spirit got regenerated. Right? You didn't suddenly become thin when you were fat, when you were unbeliever. Right? You needed to work on your body, right? And when you had filthy thoughts in your mind, you needed to work on that thing, right? You didn't change. I was a bad person before that. Not that I'm a saint now, but I had to work. I had to work on my body and my soul. My spirit got born again. I'm going to heaven. It's sealed. It's a done deal. But I have to change in my behavior, my character, my attitudes. And so... We have got a new nature. The day we died and we were raised up, we were raised up with this new nature. We were clothed with a new clothing, a new attire that you would be recognized with when you walk out there that makes you different from the world. Amen? And so the Bible tells us that we must carry our cross. But unfortunately, very seldom, we see this new nature in our brothers and sisters. And it comes out. And my personal finding is that many believers get to the cross, but they don't get on the cross. Are you feeling me? Yes. Okay, good. Right. So, <laughs> I'm so glad you're laughing and making me less nervous. <laughs> so I want to focus on behaviors today, right? Behaviors. When was the last time your mouth got you into trouble? When was the last time? Was it this morning? When you, before you came to church? Or was it in the week? How many times have you said something that you wish you never said? How many times you, uh, uh, um, you said, I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I even said that. Whoa, that wasn't me. That's almost like a bad shaggy song. It wasn't me. <laughs> That's for those of the generation that know that song, right? 
But the truth of the matter is, we all know where that came from. It came from you. You said it, right? It, it came from you. It came from deep within you. It came from your heart. So when you connect your heart or your mouth to your heart, this is what you'll find, Fano. You'll find that your speech problems are really your heart problems. Your tongues are a servant of a spirit. Hear me clearly. Your tongues are a servant of a, capital A, spirit. In that moment, you can decide whether you are honoring the Holy Spirit or an evil spirit. All right? The roots of our words reflect the conditions of our heart. Our speech simply reveals what is happening inside of us. And all talk is hard talk. Yeah. You know, somebody said to me one day, if you take your two years, if you take your two years and you put them together, this is what you get, the shape of a heart. The shape of a heart. So have heart when you're talking. That's what we're learning from this. Matthew 12 verse 34 says, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Have you ever been in a situation where you tend to be critical on people and you tend to find faults in others? Instead of seeing the best in others, you're a natural fault finder. <laughs> I was that. I'm not shy to say it. I was that. Right? Do you tend to complain about everything and everyone around you? No one seems to meet your standard. You're a chronic complainer. That was me too. Right? Thank God I got born again. Do you tend to be negative in situations and you struggle to see the positives in the negative? Well, if that's you, then this message is for you. Right, so my reading is taken from James chapter 1 verse 19. And it goes on to say, Dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everybody should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. The only time you should be slow is when you are speaking. Right? And when you want to become angry. That's the only time you should be slow. Every other time you should be fast. Right? Okay. Now listen. James is wise by saying us this. And he's not saying the pastor or the, congreg the, the, the band. He's saying everyone. Everyone. Everyone means everyone. Okay? All of us. Right? There's no Greek meaning for that one. Right? So the Apostle James was really, really wise when he said these words. You know, I actually, uh, one of the things I found is that when you go to the doctor for a leg pain or a stomach pain, the first thing the doctor does is stick your tongue out. I always wondered why. Why do you check my tongue when you can check the pain first? There's a reason for that. It's because your tongue is an index to the health of your body. But so is your words, which is an index to your spiritual health. Your spiritual wellness, what comes out of your mouth, is important. Amen? So in the kingdom, what you say and what you do not say or don't say is equally important. We have all been shaped by our belief systems. We've been all shaped and governed by those systems that we've created, that we grew up with. And we grew up in a certain way. And belief dictates behavior. I behave in a certain way. It is because of what I believe. Right? And so now, I know a lot of stuff happens in our lives. We've all been through stuff. And I'm not trying to take anything away from anyone here. 
We've all had things done to us which made us feel in a certain way that caused us to behave in a certain way. And it comes from childhood, right? So I don't want to take anything from us, but all I want to do here today is to show you how to move and transition from being a child of God to a son of God. There is a difference between being a child of God and a son of God. Imagine a 40-year-old behaving like a kid. Most of our wives tell us that. Stop behaving like a kid, you know. It's not good. It's a sign of immaturity when we look at children. And it's a sign of maturity when we look at becoming a son of God. And the question is, are we sons of God? The Bible says in uh, Romans 8.14, those that are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. So the question I have for you today, what's leading you? Is it the Spirit of God or your flesh? Right? So we can measure. It's important to listen to God's word, Fano. It's important. But it's much more important to do what it says. All right? Okay? So we can measure the effectiveness of our Bible study time by the effect it has on our behavior and on our attitudes. Now, how many of you will agree with me that our attitudes towards others reflect our relationship with God? If you can't get this right, watch this. If you can't get this right, you're never going to get that right. That's a cross. See? Cross. Right? So you'll never get that right. And we need to get that right. We can't say that we'll have this awesome relationship with God, but we have poor, little, or no character when dealing with others. It's important how we deal with others. It's not, I'm not talking about who's right and who's wrong. I'm talking about behavior. Remember, God's not responsible. You're not responsible for what the other person did. You're responsible for what you say and what you do. God judges you for that. How did you respond? It's not about right or wrong, right? Okay, so let's look at some examples. Let's look at some examples of an untamed tongue. And I want to talk about some of us that are sitting in the church sometimes. And it might not be in this church. It might be down the road in the other church. Right? The Jehovah's Witness Church. Right? So the Bible says life and death lie in the power of the tongue. Right? And that's in Proverbs 18.21. There are many things that I can choose on this list. In fact, I had a huge list. I only got half an hour. So I'm going to cut it down to four. And the number one thing that actually tops my whole list of the four things that I found is gossiping. Right? Number one. And it's Proverbs 18.8. Gossip is so tasty. How we love to swallow it. That's what the scripture says. That's not my words. That's scripture. Right? And so... What you love is what you tolerate. Because if you are doing that, you're tolerating it. If you don't love it, you're not going to do it. So what you love, you tolerate. And you can take that and put that line. It's for free. I gave it to you. You can use it anywhere across on any issue. If you're doing that thing, you shouldn't be doing according to scripture. It means you love it. Don't tell me you don't love it because you would not do it. Right? Okay. So we pray in tongues. Let's look at the behavior in church. So we, look in, we pray in tongues. Right? We love to pray. And there's nothing wrong. Good. Great stuff. You're praying in tongues. You come to church and then you're gossiping. Or you're talking about somebody. You go and praise God. You use the same tongue to stab people in the back. And then you go and assassinate people's character. Let me tell you something. There's a scripture that I was thinking about that actually is not part of my message. But I want to tell you something about it. Ephesians 6. Everybody understand Ephesians 6, 11? The armor of God. We learn that the first day we get into church, right? How we cover ourselves to protect ourselves from the devil. 
right? So the full armor of God, I'm not going to go into it. So we know it's the breastplate of righteousness. You know that one, the helmet of salvation, shoes of the gospel, all of that, right? So it covers us. It's a full armor. But did you know that there is no armor to cover the back? I read that this morning as well, just to confirm that. There's no armor for the back. It's a breastplate of righteousness. The, the mind, the helmet of salvation, the belt, the uh, truth, the shoes, peace. But there's nothing for the back. Why? Because God doesn't like backstabbers in the church. Your brother is meant to cover your brother. When I'm busy fighting a war, my brother's supposed to be covering me, not stabbing me. Do you see that, Fano? I'm so glad I'm making you laugh today. You know, I was so nervous. <laughs> right. So in, let's be honest. In every church throughout the world, there's this pocket of people that are the complainers in the church. And look. I'll get to why it's not so bad at, uh, at complaining. But I just want to talk about complaining itself and go gossiping, you know. So gossiping leaves the body of believers defragmented and ineffective. Gossiping leaves the body of believers defragmented. What is the only time when the Holy Spirit commands a blessing? Is when there's unity. Yes. You know, the first group... The first group of people that are attacked in the church is the prayer team. The first group, the front line is the prayer team. A church that is not praying is an ineffective church. If you're standing on the front line as an intercessor, as a prayer warrior, be careful of this. Because you will be open very easily because the enemy, that's how he operates. He wants to break the prayer team and then he'll break you as an individual. Right? So we need to watch out for that behavior. And so, how about you? How's your tongue? How's the condition of your tongue? You know, one day I was working in corporate. And for those of you that are sitting in influential positions here, those of you that are sitting in really senior management positions, be careful. When you have the power to uh, hire, fire, and promote people, they want to be your friends. And I remember when I was in a, a, a senior manager in, in South Africa uh, at a very large bank, there are, I'm sitting in a professional space and I have a lady that comes up to me and she suddenly wants to strike up a conversation with me about somebody else in the team. And that's all my staff members. And I said to her, oh, yeah, just, just, just hold on a second. I just, before you speak, I just want to come back to you. I went and called the person that she mentioned and I brought that person right into the front of her. I said, right, just carry on. Tell me what you want to tell. Oh, no, no, no. I have nothing to say. <laughs> nothing to say. And she took off. How about you? What do you say when people at your workplace are talking about your boss? And it's not about right and wrong again. I'm saying it again. It's not about whether your boss was right or wrong. What do you do as a believer? Are you shining your light in that place? Are you being part of that conversation? Are you being part of that gossip in the office, in the corridors? Yep, 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 yep. Have you heard what Don did? Have you heard what Haley did? We do that. And so this is something we need to take note of. Our tongues reveal who we are. All I need is five minutes with somebody and I'll tell you what their prayer life looks like because of what is coming out of their mouth. Serious. What is in the, water, what is in the well comes out in the water. 
Gossip has been responsible for many divisions in the church and leaves the body of Christ actually defragmented, damaged, and there's poor witnessing, and the world is laughing at us. Right? Now, if you're not a gossiper in the church, hey, great on you. But what about number two, complaining? <laughs> you know, God was so upset with the nation in the Bible about complaining that he made them wonder for 40 years. And they never got it to the promised land. And that was all because of our old stinking mindset. You see, he couldn't take them into a new territory because of our old mindset. Similarly, we sit in the church sometime 20, 30 years with an old mindset. And we, when the church, pastor wants to do something new, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. Oh, would somebody want, no, 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 we can't do that. We did it like that for that, 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 that. 50 years we did it like that. It worked. Let me tell you, the generation is changing. We live amongst a generation that seems entitled. I was watching a video about the entitled millennials. So, we need to be changing and evolving as well with the times. We don't forget principles. Principles are there. Methods change. Right? And so, where are you in your faith? Do you see yourself wandering around as a Christian? Are you... You are doing all the right things that you're supposed to do in life. But perhaps, just maybe, you're struggling with intimacy with God. Perhaps just investigate this. Check what you've been speaking in your life. Look at this. Maybe you've been a complainer. You know, God was so angry with this bunch of complainers, the Israelites. He wanted to destroy them. It was only through Moses that they were saved. And similarly, if we're wandering about in our faith, it's most probably, this is one of the things you could check. There might be other things. I don't know. So if you're never thankful for what you, what you have, you will never be grateful for what you get. Chronic complainers are generally not successful in holding good relationships. That's what I really realize. They attract one another. They form a band. It's the complaining band. Right? So I don't want to hang around people like that. I don't want to even associate with people like that. Because when I leave that group, they'll be talking about me. So I don't want to be anywhere near them. And so complaining reveals that we're still behaving like immature children, not sons of God. So it's not wrong to complain, Fano. Don't get me wrong. It is important to raise complaints. I learned this from an unbeliever once, very young in my career. It's not what you say, Len. It's how you say it. So you can complain, but there's a method. There's a way of doing it, right? And so... Maybe you're sitting in this church and you're not a gossiper and you're not a complainer. But hey, just maybe you are the critical, argumentative and contentious bloke. <laughs> All right? Wow. Right? You're feeling me again? <laughs> Out of a critical heart speaks a critical tongue. Out of a self-righteous heart, a judgmental tongue. Out of an ungrateful heart, a complaining tongue. You see, these people, my brothers and sisters, are not friendly people. They are ruled by their desires, their carnality. There is no humility in that. The Bible says the Lord hates six things in Proverbs 6.16. 
Yes, six things, but seven are an abomination to him. I want to concentrate on the seventh one. The first six is haughty eyes, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that run off to do evil, a false witness that utters lies. And there's the one that I want to talk about, the one who spreads strife. The one who sows, King, New King James Version says, the one who sows discord among the brethren. That's a sad one. God hates it if you're doing it. It's an abomination. Very big word. I'll leave Don to explain that to you. <laughs> the question for yourself is, do you find yourself building people up more or tearing them down? How are we doing for time here? I can't understand that time. All right. 9.54. Whoa, I'm out of time. Okay. So the key to getting this right, Fano, is that when you criticize somebody, remember God's law of love. And say something good instead. Say something beneficial to others that will cure your fault finding and increase your ability to obey God's love. Jesus only left us with two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. That's your first commandment. Second commandment, love your neighbor as you love yourself. The problem I have with the second commandment is that most people don't love themselves. That's why they don't love their neighbor. They don't love themselves. We need to get, I, I have done trauma counseling like you can't believe in this community. And most people, some of the most beautiful girls don't even see the beauty in themselves. Some of the most beautiful people that do not see that in them. They don't feel valued. They don't feel loved. Until you deal with their past traumas, then they start to love themselves. Then they can give off. You can't serve somebody else from a broken cup. Remember that. Right, I wanna close off very quickly with this. I have to cut off some of my things here. Um, if you're not a gossiper, not a complainer, and you're not critical, hey man, you're the, you're the dude. But what about speaking negatively on your own life? What about speaking negatively on your own life and bringing word curses on your own life? Now, I documented 20 statements, and I'm going to read, uh, read these statements out, right? Uh, that's, my, that's my cue to get off the stage. All right, okay. <laughs> All right, I won't be long, guys. Let me finish up with this. All right. So, there's 20 statements I wrote. And these statements are from Christians, guys. And they're from New Zealand. And this is what they've been saying to me. And I, I didn't tell them, but I wrote it down. And I, they said, you, you know what? They're not telling me this. It's their conversations. And I'm silently listening and writing it down. You make me sick in my bones. I'm bored to death. This old leg of mine is killing me. It probably will. I will die if he suddenly does that for me. You're driving me insane. You make me bloody sick. I jumped in the pool and I froze to death. If he shows up, I'll probably die of shock. You probably will. I will die at this rate I'm going. I am dead tired. Fano, these may be simple words. These may be words of expression that you think you're using very casually. But I'll tell you what, they have power to destroy you. Our words give Satan legal grounds to operate in our lives. God created the world by his word and he loved it and he found it good. You create your world by the words that you speak into your life. And if your world is looking messed up, it's probably because of what you spoke or what you're speaking. Amen. I want to close off with a story. There was an old man who had an issue with his neighbor. And that issue was that he accused him of uh, stealing stuff from him. And the police rocked up at the neighbor's door, eventually took him into custody and locked him up. The, 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 the neighbor was actually quite angry and upset at the old man at how he had accused him. 
And so he pleaded his case before the judge and he was released. And then the next day, he decided that he was going to sue the old man for slander because of what he had done, because his reputation had been destroyed. He decided that he was going to sue him. And so when in civil court, the judge asked the old man, why did he do it? And the old man said, no, rumors are nothing. You know, sticks and stone will, not, uh, will hurt my bones, but words wouldn't. He used that kind of a phrase. And the judge said, oh, okay. And he, the judge then said to him that, look, I want you to write down everything true and false about your neighbor. And I want you to go... Thereafter, when you're driving home, cut, tear this thing up into pieces of paper and throw it out the window. And next day when you come, I'll give you sentencing. So the guy, the old man thought, hey, everything is going to be good. Uh, I'm going to get a light sentence and I'm going to get away from this uh, problem that I caused. And so standing before the judge the next day, the judge asked him, did you do what I asked? And he said, yes. And then the judge said, now I want you to go back and pick every piece of paper up. And the guy was frustrated. The old man was frustrated. And he said, but judge, you know that the wind blew it to all different places. I would not know where they are. How am I going to get it? And the judge said, exactly. The comments such as the one that you made can spread so quickly that it might not be repairable after they are stated. Gossip can destroy a person's honor and reputation. And once destroyed, you cannot always fix it. The old man hung his head in shame, realizing the lesson that he had been given. So maybe you in this place today, and you're saying, I don't do all those things. I control myself really well. But do you have thought control? What do you do when people come around you that don't agree with you? They don't believe in what you believe in? Do you display God's love? Or does your carnal nature rise up? Proximity to God allows transformation. Jesus says, I do what my father does. We carry the nature of our Father in heaven. There's one of the songs that we read. Uh, the lyrics was, I bear his name. Do you bear his name? If you bear his name, you'll behave like him. So, the questions I want to leave with you and close this message is, are you a well-watered garden where the beauty of the Lord comes out? Are the words that come out of your mouth fruitful that give taste to those that are around you? Are you honoring God with your conduct? Look, I'm no perfect man. I'm no saint. I make mistakes from day to day. But I make sure I try to rectify them. And so if we aren't choosing or consciously choosing a good conduct, we are unconsciously choosing a poor one. And so maybe you here in this place today, things have been said to you, things have been done to you. Maybe you are the one that did those things and said those things to others. God loves you. You may be feeling devalued by what was done to you. But God is saying, I love you so much. I paid a dear price for you. I want to heal your heart so that you can have that good, right relationship with me. You can have a good standing with me. And so we need to, if, if you were sitting in your chair and you've been convicted because the Holy Spirit is the only one can convict. I can't change you. Only the Holy Spirit can. And you. So I want you to take an opportunity to repent before God. To restore that relationship with him and get back. And it starts with changing our behavior. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I stand in the gap of this congregation. Me included, Father. Forgive us, Father, if we have sinned in any way, knowing and unknowing. If we have said things, spoken things that are into the atmosphere that the enemy can use as a tool and a device where we disarmed ourselves and we gave ammunition to the enemy to destroy our lives. 
We break that in Jesus' name. We pray for every assignment that our words will be used carefully and that we will bring honor and glory to your name. We truly, from the bottom of our hearts, repent. We hand our lives to you. Shape us, Jesus. Shape us and mold us according to your ways. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.